Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey everybody, Glenn Blakeney here. I am so honored to be with you today. We are actually going to be talking with Dr. Greg Hood. He has a great ministry. It's all about the kingdom of God, even a, a university that is focused on the kingdom. It's going to be awesome, guys. You're going to want to watch this interview over and over again. I want to encourage you to let us know where you're watching from. Leave your comments, interact during this live stream. In addition, would you hit the share button? So many people will be blessed by this discussion. You know, we're living in an incredible time of reformation. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all the nations of the world, and then the end will come. But what is the gospel of the kingdom? What is the good news about the kingdom of God? Interestingly, in the book of Acts, in the very first chapter, it says that when Jesus appeared to uh, his disciples, he spoke to them during that 40-day interval between his his resurrection and ascension. Um, when you know when he was on the earth and it says that he appeared to them and he spoke to them about many things pertaining to the kingdom i had a discussion with someone recently and they made the statement they said well you know jesus preached about the kingdom because he was jewish and they understand it in that context of of, of the kingdom of god in the old testament but you know once the gospel started to be preached to the gentiles they no longer preached the gospel of the kingdom. They preached the gospel of salvation. Now, interestingly, there's only one time in the New Testament where that phrase gospel of salvation is found. It's in Ephesians 1 verse 13. But when you look at the very last chapter of Acts, chapter 28, Paul is under house arrest in Rome. And it says that people were coming to him, actually Jewish people, and uh, he, was he was speaking to them, sharing about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And they rejected that message. And here's what he said. He said, from this point on, he said, I, he's going, I'm going to preach once again to the Gentiles. And he preached to them the kingdom of God, about the kingdom and how salvation comes from the kingdom. And that's what I want you to understand that the gospel of the kingdom and quote unquote, the gospel of salvation, which is being preached in, in many places in the world today. And it's not just the Western nations. I've traveled to many places and we see this gospel of salvation being preached. And yet the definition of it really doesn't sync with what Jesus taught called the gospel of the kingdom. My guest, as I said earlier, is Dr. Greg Hood. And he has incredible insight into the uh, revelation regarding the kingdom of God. So I want you to welcome Dr. Greg as he comes on. And we are going to talk about the kingdom of God. Thank you so much, Greg, for being my guest today. 
Man, it's an honor to be here with you, Glenn. Just excited about uh, this interview and what God's going to do with it. Well, I appreciate you and your heart. You know, we were uh, just chatting before we went live and uh, really just love your, your vision and your passion for the kingdom. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing um, in terms of advancing the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Well, we have uh, several arms of our ministry. We have uh, one of those. It's called Kingdom University. And uh, we actually uh, were starting a campus in Australia, as I'd mentioned earlier before, before all the, the virus thing began to happen. Uh, and so we, we started here on, on the mainland of the U.S., and and God just breathed on it. Our first year, we had I think a hundred students and two, three campuses, counting our online campus. And then this year, we have twenty campuses across the country, and we have close to five hundred students. And it's it's just amazing. God's breathed on it. I believe one of the reasons God's using this along with other uh, educational tools that people that are doing this around the country is to help people transition out of this religious walk that we all were raised in into a more kingdom minded uh, lifestyle to where we're not just learning about the kingdom, but we're getting great information, but also we're getting activation and impartation, you know, and uh, also we're learning language. There's languages that needs to change. And Christianese has kind of uh, isolated us, but when we learn to speak kingdom, uh, I believe that translates in every sphere of society. And then we have Greg Hood Ministries, which I travel around the country and other parts of the world, ministering, preaching. And then we have a, a group called the Network of FIFO Ministers and Churches to where we oversee and uh, we have other people around the country and FIFO giftings align, align with us. And we try to help them fulfill what God's called them to do. That's kind of it in a nutshell, Glenn. Yeah, well, you're doing a lot. That's amazing, the exponential growth of the Kingdom University. And yes. that's so good, so, so needed. Uh, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about what Jesus preached and taught and, and what's being uh, preached today, taught today by and large in Christianity. So, so uh, is there a difference? And if so, what are the fundamental differences? Well, I think there's a great difference. I, I was raised in a, in a Baptist church. Uh, then I was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit uh, in a charismaniac church. That's what I like to call them. It was a it was a enter at your own risk zone with all the flags and shofars and everything else that you encounter in there, which was wonderful. I love it. And uh, then I, you know, was in some Pentecostal uh, denominations and things as I was younger. And I just found out that frustration was everywhere because we were preaching, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the gospel of salvation and and it 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 was getting a lot of people to say prayers, but it really wasn't empowering anybody. And I said on this journey probably 15, 20 years ago on just trying to really find out what was Jesus's message. And I just dove into the Gospels. And uh, for years, I've just been in the Gospels and also, you know, the book of Acts, as you mentioned. But it's all through the New Testament that the only message that Jesus ever preached was the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, many people would think that, you know, the gospel of salvation is the gospel of, of the kingdom, but it's not. Uh, the gospel of salvation, which is really not a gospel, 
it is just in kind of an additive to uh, what we do as uh, ministers or Christians to try to make us feel better about what we're not doing. And uh, we, uh, the, it's just, you know, trying to get people to say a prayer and prepare them for heaven. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, when you pray, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I begin to discover that Jesus was more interested in what we're doing here than what we would be doing there. So the gospel of the kingdom, uh, from what I've discovered, Glenn, is the message of the dominion and the majesty, the glory, the weight of heaven, the weight of Jesus in the earth. It's actually causing the governmental structures of this world to become the kingdoms of our God. And as you quoted out of Matthew 24, that this is the gospel that will be preached and then the end will come. And that's another thing that I could probably, you know, run a, pro a bunch of precious pigs off a cliff with is that scripture as well, because you've got people that are talking about, you know, the rapture's coming any moment, you know, right. we're going to get snatched out of here and everybody's prepared to leave. But this gospel of the kingdom has empowered us to step into actually the power of our true identity as sons and daughters and to be able to go into any place in society and to be able to bring an impact that makes Jesus Lord and Jesus King. Instead of removing people, it inserts people into the places that really need this good news of King Jesus. Yeah, that's so, so good, so powerful. One of my um, scriptures that, that I love to refer to when we're talking about the gospel of the kingdom being preached throughout the whole world to all the nations, mm -hmm. and then the end will come, is Second Peter 3.12, where he talks about the end, and he says, basically, how are we to respond? And he says, we are to be a people that are looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And we're not only to be anticipating the coming of the day of God, but accelerating the coming of the day of God. Yes. You look at that word, hastening, in some other translations. I mean, it's saying hurrying it up, speeding it yep. along. And how do we speed along the coming of the day of God? Well, Matthew 24, 14, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to, yep. throughout the world to all the nations, and then the end will come. So let's just talk about that for a moment. You know, theologists, depending on whose reports you believe, um, some have identified, like, for example, the Joshua Project has identified over 17,000 ethnic groups or people groups in the world. Now, they will say, well, there might be Malay people. They live in the Philippines, in Malaysia, in Singapore. Mm -hmm. and they count them for each country. So the Malay people, you know, might be in multiple countries. The word that Jesus used uh, about the nation speaks about people groups, ethnic yeah. groups. Ethnos. One study I read recently says there's 350 unreached people groups in the United States. And that's true in Canada, United yeah. Kingdom, you know, most Western nations, Europe as well. Um, so what what does it mean, though? Like we can go and say, look, there's 6,900 unreached people groups, meaning less than 2% of them are born again. But. When you say the gospel of the kingdom is to be preached to them, that changes it. And Everything. in a sense, 
it's even uh, it's worse because we've got a lot of people that have heard, as you mentioned, the gospel of salvation, but they really don't understand the gospel of the kingdom. So there's more people than we think that have yep. not yet heard the gospel of the kingdom. What, what's your thoughts on that? I think you're exactly right, Glenn, and that runs the numbers up really high, uh, probably flips them. Uh, and because this gospel of the kingdom has not been preached uh, in our lifetime to every known people group, that word nations uh, in Matthew 28 is actually, as you said, the word ethnos, which means people groups. And it's more than just ethnic groups in the sense of where they live or where they reside. Uh, it means people that do life together, people that reside together, people that have many things in common together that create community. And so, like you said, there are thousands upon thousands of those in the United States alone. And even if you look in your city, there are many ethnos and it has nothing to do with skin color it, or, or language or the way you pronounce a word, but it has to do with the way you do community. And this is so important because, you know, uh, I had to repent of teaching church planting. I'm a master church planter teacher with a couple of organizations, and that absolutely means nothing anymore. Uh, we, we taught church planting and we, we plant, we planted a lot of buildings, brick and mortar around the world. Uh, and this group had a vision of planting over a hundred million churches, but their idea of doing that was planting places where people gather to try to escape, just try to miss hell. I call it buying fire insurance. And, uh, we, this is totally different. See one in, in John chapter three, there's this brother, a ruler of the temple, who was named, who was Nicodemus. I call him Nick. He came at night. And that's where Nick at night kind of came from. But, uh, Jesus had that first, but he came wanting, he said, we know that you're a man of God. We, you can't do the things that you do unless you're sent from God. And Jesus just kind of diverted away from that. And he said, no one can see that word seed means to handle or to steward the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And so Jesus really only spoke about being born again one time in the middle of a night in a private setting. And in doing so, he was letting this man know, this root of the temple, that he had to be born again to, to be able to handle the, the kingdom of God, to be able to steward it in his own way. And he gave qualifications for being born again there. But this gospel of the kingdom, I think, uh, has been uh, rejected. Uh, I think that we have... Uh, train people to go around the world. And we've messed up a lot of nations because yeah. we have sent them in with a religious message yeah. of escapism and trying to uh, escape hell and just make it to heaven out of this old wretched world. When I believe things are getting better in the world, they're not actually getting worse. And I believe when you preach the gospel of the kingdom, you're inserting light into darkness. Jesus talks about, about that in John three as well. And when you put light in darkness, Glenn, darkness never can comprehend the light. So light is always driven back. And as we begin to hear the uh, the message of the gospel of salvation, everything's got to get worse and everything's got to go to hell. And, you know, everything's going to burn up, blow up, and you just need to get saved so you can go to heaven. And we built entire communities around this and it's created a culture. That culture is called religion because it's full of what people have to do to try to get to God, 
what people have to do to try to maintain their relationship with God. And it's all works-based, and there's little empowerment in that. And so what I believe we have to do, Glenn, is we've got to shift this thing. It's going to take a radical group of people, a remnant, to come up and say, you know, no more religion, guys. Here's the difference. And be able to give clear, defined differences between the kingdom of God and between religion. Jesus did that in his day. We're going to have to do that in our day. And I really believe that we're getting ready to see a mass exodus out of these religious stained glass and steepled institutions that have held people captive and not empowered them. Yeah. So good. Uh, wow. Very, very powerful. So let's, let's discuss that a little bit further. As you said, people are leaving uh, conventional churchianity, you know, going yep. to the building, uh, being passive, sitting there. I just posted something on, on Facebook recently, seven shifts that the church must make. And one of those things was, from this passive kind of spectator thing where you go to church, yeah. really about becoming the church, the ecclesia yeah. Yeah. that is making a difference on mission, bringing change and transformation to the world. Look, people want to, they want to have a purpose and, yeah. and God has wired us, hardwired us that way to live on mission, to live yeah. uh, with a kingdom purpose. So what can be done to help people who are like just saying, you know what, I'm just kind of done with this. And I think COVID was like the final push. Yep. Uh, and people are saying, I want to step into this, this kingdom life and live in the kingdom. What, what can we do to help people that are looking for more? One of the first things I believe, Glenn, is people have to come to a place to where they're willing to set their faith and why they do what they do in an interrogation room and begin to interrogate it, begin to ask questions. Why do I believe what I believe? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I feeling like I am just going through uh, religious rites to be able to try to find God and get God to do things in my life that I believe he wants to do? And then we've created a, a tool. It's probably been used many, many times, but I, I didn't know anyone else that has used it, but we teach in Kingdom University. We teach there are four basic questions that you need to ask when you read the scripture and reading the scripture, the word needs to come to life to people. Instead of being just a book, it needs to become a living document within their soul. And that first question that we teach people to ask when they read the scripture is who's talking. It's very important to ask who's speaking when you're reading. And then number two, who are they talking to? The audience that they are speaking to is very important as well. And then number three, what does it mean in their culture? So what's being said, what does it mean in the culture of the context that the person speaking and whom the, who is listening are receiving it? Then number four, how do I take that and apply it in my life? One of the great examples that can help you shift out of this religious mindset and into a kingdom mindset is John. Uh, he's down at the river baptizing, and his message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. Now, if John's talking, who is he talking to? Well, he's not talking to Westerners. He's talking to Jewish men yes. that have gathered at the river where John is preaching. And that word repent literally means to change the way that you think. Religion defines that word as let's tell God at an altar 
everything that we've done wrong and hope he'll forgive us. No, has nothing to do with what you've done wrong. What you what we've classified as sin, you know, I, I call it drinking, smoking, chewing, dipping, spitting, or dating girls that do those things. You know, that's 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 the moral comp uh, makeup of whatever you're in. So the kingdom of God has a moral code. It has a uh, a morality that develops our culture. And that's not what John was talking about. He wasn't talking about morality. What was he talking about? He was talking to these Jewish men about repenting, changing the way they think about how they relate to God, how they relate to the temple, because their entire life was wrapped up in that temple. And John was saying the government of God is at hand and what you're doing now will no longer be valid with God. So you must repent and be baptized. Baptism, again, something we've gotten wrong. John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance, changing the way they think about how they relate to God, how they relate to God through the temple and so forth. So when they were being baptized, it was not for the remission of their sins. You know how we do in our churches? Brother, hold your nose, hold your arm. I'm going to say some words over you and dunk you back, and you're going to come up baptized in the faith. That's not what he was talking about. They were literally making a public statement in front of other Jewish men, even Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, that they would no longer relate to the temple. They would now relate to this new rabbi they had, John, who was preaching of another rabbi that was coming, Jesus, who was going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And they said, this is what we're buying into now. This is what we've been waiting on. And that's the context of John's baptism. But when we look at it in the, in the religion, Glenn, we're telling people, come to the altar, repeat a prayer, now get in some water and let us baptize you into our denomination. Right. That's not what John was doing. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so good. So Jesus came and uh, obviously, as you mentioned, he baptized, he, he's the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And living in the kingdom, when we talk about that, there's a scripture, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, where he, Paul actually says that we are to walk worthy of God's yeah. kingdom. And the way I, I see that is I say to people, look, they're in every culture. Mm-hmm. There's protocol. There's, you know, certain things that you do and you don't do. There's things yep. that are acceptable and unacceptable. In the kingdom, there is culture. That we do have rights, thank God. Yep. Yep. We have responsibilities. That's so right. Moving people into a kingdom way of living, thinking, acting, you mentioned repentance mm-hmm. is changing the way you think. I mean, how do we do that today? Because there's so many people that have been steeped in tradition, in religiosity, if we want to use that word. Yep. To the point that there's this entire segment of people that we may we might not necessarily accurately define them as being unchurched, even though they're no longer connected to the institutional church. They're yep. all like de-churched, you know. It's kind of like yeah. Oh, it, it's like man, we just we just know there's more, and there's this dichotomy that has been. Um, forged between the secular and the sacred, between yeah. the marketplace and the church. And yeah. you know, we were talking about that recently. But Jesus and the apostles, they were 
man, Jesus was out in the marketplace. It says in Acts 17 that Paul was preaching in the synagogues and in the marketplace. Yes. And so how does that, what does that look like for people to start living with a, a kingdom mindset and understanding? Well, we have to make sure that we're not trying to put something new into an old mold. And we 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 want so many times for the new thing, the fresh thing is a better word, because it's not new to God, it's fresh to us, to fit in what we're doing and for God to refresh that. Well, Jesus told his disciples sitting on the Mount of Olives one day, he said, the temple over there is going to be destroyed and it's not going to be one stone left on another. And then he began to talk about he was going to raise it back up in three days. And they knew he was speaking about the resurrection. Well, Jesus was telling uh, his disciples that day that they're going to have to completely have a new wine skin. Be willing to leave what you are in to come into what he wants you to be. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preached that they had to repent, change the way they thought, related to God, purpose God, and be delivered from this perverse generation. When we read that in Western culture, we're, th- we're thinking about, you know, darkness, evil, you know, right. people that are sinning. But he was literally talking about the participation in the temple because all of those people were there for, for the feast. And Peter was telling them what they're doing there now in the temple, God considers that perverse it's non-relatable it's uh it's it's something that's been voided out and is of no consequence any longer to god so it's perverse and i think glenn we have to begin to look hard at where we are what we're doing what we're being taught and begin to be willing to make a hard shift and say okay i'm willing father teach me the scripture says that people are forcing their way into the kingdom and it says from John that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That doesn't mean we run out with our guns and start shooting things. <clears throat> it literally means we're pressing, trying to press through the things that we've been hung up in or netted in, caught in, and trying to release ourselves from that to get into the kingdom. Because in all reality, religion is not valid in God's eyes. There's only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And you're going to either be in one of those kingdoms. You may say, well, I'm in this denomination, that denomination. I'm independent. I'm part of this group or that group. It doesn't matter. It's either kingdom of darkness or kingdom of light. And so, Glenn, when we're looking at this thing, we've got to begin to identify where am I at? What have I been listening to? What has been imparted into me? And then being willing to address those things in a way that Holy Spirit can begin to come and to help m- displace religion out of our life. Because, you know, I've discovered, too, that uh, religion cannot be cast out. Even though it's a spirit, it, it's more of a principality. It can't be cast out. It has to be displaced. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the good, acceptable, and, and uh, holy will of God is. And that, that comes here. This right here is a lot of times right. Many people sitting in these religious places, they're born again. They love Jesus and they're giving their life. But right. the mechanism that they've been placed in is not giving them the power to be who God created them to be. So really looking to take a hard shift out of things that are binding you 
and allowing Holy Spirit to lead you into places that are going to bring you into freedom. And you've got to make decisions to do that. It's not going to be an encounter. It's not going to be something that drops out of heaven and calls you to, we call it huckabucking, you know, dancing in the spirit or whatever. It is a conscious decision of I'm going to set myself on a path of discovering who Jesus is and what he brought to the earth and what he intended on me to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. So we've got a lot of people right now that are in transition. They've come out of or are transitioning out of, but right. they're really not where they need to be. And one of the things that we do, and I know you guys are, you're all about this as well, is is helping people to step into the fullness yeah. of the kingdom. So what what does that look like? How is that going to impact people's lives when they really uh, break free from religion and embrace the kingdom of God? Well, if they're like me, first of all, they're probably going to be really ticked off. Uh, I found I found myself really angry for the religious uh, walk that I had, and nothing against those that I was involved with or that raised me. My grandfather was a Baptist minister for seventy five years. They gave us the best they had. And they they did it with sincerity of heart, which doesn't really make it empowering, but it makes it sincere. And we've got to be willing just to move on. Uh, Glenn, I think that one of the things that we really are going to have to uh, do is pursue God. When I'm sitting with him, Father, what is what what are things in me that are religious? What are things that are holding me back? What are things that are binding me up. Help me rid myself of them. Give me truth. Give me scripture that can help me break free from this and start on a journey. I encourage people to start reading the gospels all over again. Stay there for six months. Make it the gospels. Read the gospels. Underline everything in there that says kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And then begin to try to find places where Jesus preached anything else. He didn't. He never preached anything else. And the next piece, Glenn, is surrender. I think we're going to have to be able to come to a place to where we surrender our ministry. Because so many times we we live for our ministry in that in that culture, the religious culture, and we have our identity in it. Uh, there's a couple of things. I know you know this, but Jesus never preached on healing. He never preached on deliverance. He never preached on prosperity. He never preached, you know, on seven ways to be a better you. He was always trying to kill you. God wants you dead when you get born again so he can live through you. Jesus only preached the kingdom. And then all of these other things just manifested, manifested out of his authority and his power that he carried. When he went into places, people touched him and they were healed. Demons screamed out of people. Uh, he needed to pay his taxes. And he told Peter, get a fishing pole, man. Go down to the sea, throw your hook in. And the first fish that you catch, look in his mouth. There'll be enough money in there to pay your taxes and mine. I've always wondered what bait Peter used. I'd like to market that. But, but Jesus just had these things manifest in his life. And I think that's so important as we're reading the Gospels. We're beginning to find out who King Jesus was and what he wanted his ecclesia to look like. It's totally different from what the or what the church looks like today. Hmm. So I hope that helped a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when we talk about religion, one of the the verses that always comes to mind to me is 
in in Second Timothy three, the first four verses, he says about perilous times in the last days, and you know all these different vices and evil things that will be happening. But then in verse five, he says they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. One yes. translation says, although they will act religious, they will deny the power that could change or transform their lives. Yeah. So Jesus said that the kingdom of God uh, is what brings change and transformation. He taught that, yeah. right? If we seek first the kingdom, and right. righteousness, all these things will be added. Everything we need. You, know, you mentioned he didn't preach on healing. He told them to go heal the sick and preach on deliverance. He did it, but he preached on the kingdom. Yes. So the kingdom of God is not in word, Paul said, in Lagos, but in power, in dinner. Yeah. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom's not food and drink. Yeah. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. So you see where we're going with this are you know, those of you who are watching or listening, when you step into the kingdom, there's power, there's provision, yeah. there's grace. Everything changes. Uh, Greg, regarding Kingdom University, yes, sir. can you just share a little bit about how people are, are being impacted and, and what are some of the ways that you're helping them to step into you know, this revelation and, and new life of living in the kingdom. Well, we started Kingdom University, and one of our main goals is to displace religion out of our nation. And uh, our vision is to disciple nations and impact generations. So we are looking at bringing the nations into a place of understanding King Jesus. One of the greatest things, I think, Glenn, that I've heard from our students that have impacted them is when they begin to understand the definition of kingdom and that Jesus did not come to give us a religion in any form, in any fashion. He did not come to fix a broken religion and give it back. He didn't come to soup up the Jewish religion and give it to us. He brought a kingdom. So what is that? It's a government. It's a nation. It's a country. When you talk about kingdom, and this is one of the things they said has impacted them the most. They've understood that kingdom has to be attached to something like the kingdom of Great Britain, the kingdom of, of Tonga, the kingdom of, of Morocco. And in a kingdom, we've been disadvantaged in America a little bit because we rebelled against King George. And we said we're having no more of the crown. And uh, we created uh, a nation. States or colonies became states. And we're a, a government of the people, by the people, for the people, supposedly. And uh, then we begin to uh, run the church in that same fashion. We got away from church government, biblical church government, which is apostles, prophets, and teachers. Uh, we begin to look at the man in the pulpit as the pastor, and and that pastor gift was not for the larger gatherings. It was actually the shepherd's smaller gatherings, and they're beginning to understand these things, and they're beginning to see how the fivefold works. They begin to see how actually the government of heaven works, and that we are ambassadors. We are sons and daughters. When I get on Christianity, which 
you know, there's only twice it's mentioned in the scripture and it's sometimes it's derogatory, depending on what translation you get it out of. God never referred to us as Christians. He referred to us as sons and daughters. We're referred to as ambassadors. We're referred to as kings. And so when we people begin to tap into their their identity of who they are in relation to God as as a king and in the kingdom, it blows this religious thing out of the water. Because the enemy don't mind you going to church as long as you don't become the church. He doesn't mind you witnessing as long as you're preaching a message that Jesus never told you to preach. He doesn't mind you having your ministry if you're doing things that are occupying you and are keeping you out of your kingdom purpose. So Kingdom University, we're addressing these things. We are set on uh, changing culture. Uh, we're teaching people their identity. We're teaching them the kingdom of heaven, what it actually means to be government people and not religious people. And I know that's kind of harsh sounding, but when you begin to look into it and you know it's really who we are, we're, we're about our father's business like Jesus was, and our God is a king, so our business is kingdom. And uh, we begin to help people understand that in the kingdom, like every other nation, there's a health care plan. It's called the Red Cross, not the Blue Cross, Blue Shield, but the Red Cross, where we're healed. There's an army here. It's called the host of heaven. And how we're not the army of God. The host of heaven, the angels are the army of God. And when we go to the battlefield, how do we go? We go as kings. When the enemy sees all these kings out on the field with an angelic army, it'll strike fear in his heart. But as long as he sees us trying to array ourselves on the battlefield as privates, corporals, sergeants, lieutenants, maybe some generals here and there where we're ranking one another and pitting ourselves against one another, he's got us. But when we come on the battlefield as kings with an angelic army that is there to assist us to shift nations and we're not there asking God, help us, Lord, we're there releasing kingly decrees into this earth realm to drive back darkness and to release heaven in the earth. It changes everything, man. I get excited talking about this stuff. Yeah. man. And so those are some things Kingdom University is doing. We're teaching signs, wonders, and miracles. We're teaching how to hear, know, recognize the voice of God. We're activating people in the apostolic, the prophetic, in business, in government. We have tracks for those. And so I think it's the immersion in a whole different ideology, philosophy, and it's creating a new theology. And one of the hardest things, Glenn, that has been for people to adjust is their eschatology. And uh, everybody wants to get out of here, but Jesus is more interested in you being here. So we address those things. And that's what Kingdom U does to help people shift. Right. Yeah. So good. There's there's so much that we could uh, just take a deeper dive into what you just said right there. And so important that we get it. You know, the, some of those statements, yes, sir. truth bombs you just dropped. <laughs> but we'll have to have you back to to delve deeper into that for sure. But let's just talk about kind of in, in our closing here. Um as people grasp this this revelation of the gospel of the kingdom, what is revival and awakening going to look like? Because, you know, we've seen revival and, and it happens for a few months, maybe a few years uh, in, in kind of just pockets of it, really. Yep. But it's not been sustainable. So so what is revival and awakening going to look like um, as as people really lay hold of this 
understanding of the kingdom? That's a great and a very important question, Glenn. I've had revivals that have gone 15 weeks, 19 weeks, 28 weeks at a time and got frustrated whatever they just didn't continue. Mm -hmm. So as we begin to study awakening and revival, because God wants both, not just one. I think revival is more for the church, revive to make live again the church. Awakening speaks of culture change. We saw this in the first great awakening, the second great awakening. Uh, there are a couple of things that happened around those awakenings. The first great awakening came about whenever we had our revolutionary war here in the United States of America, and it was led mostly by ministers. They led their troops, the Black Robe Regiment. Uh, many people know about that. Uh, it's an interesting study. If you want to look through history and find out about the Black Robe Regiment, it's amazing. These ministers that would pull their pistols out and lay them on their pulpits and preach, put them back in their holsters, pull off their clergy robes, and there's a continental uniform under that, and they lead two and 300 men out to battle after a sermon. You're talking about a pep talk. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Then around the Civil War, we had the Second Great Awakening, and the, the nation was in a was in turmoil. We come up into the, the, the 50s, the 60s, we're seeing healing ministries, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe. Uh, we're seeing Amy Simple McPherson. We're seeing Catherine Kuhlman. A lot of these miracle-working <clears throat> ministries, evangelistic ministries more, the, that are releasing miracles, and those things would go and then stop. But there was happening through one person most of the time. Right. And then we come up into the 60s to where we have the charismatic movement, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal move of God and the Jesus movement where you got all these hippies being saved. And here's what happened. And I believe we're at the threshold of a third great awakening. We're not going to miss it this time. There are two commissions that we have in the scripture, in the gospels, Mark chapter 16, where it says those that believe in my name, you know, he says, go preach the gospel to all creation. Those that believe, they'll speak in new tongues. They'll cast out devils. They'll heal the sick. And he says, they drink anything, deadly thing. It won't harm them. That particular commission is really Jesus saying, go get my family back. Go out and bring people in to my family. Not a denomination, not a, a, a splinter of what the kingdom is supposed to be, but go right. get my family back and restore them. The second piece, Glenn, is Matthew 28, where Jesus said to go and to disciple nations. In the 60s, we did Mark 16 really, really good. We got millions of people saved. Many church buildings were filled up. Many movements were birthed out of that. Uh, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, uh, prison ministries, new moves of God. We saw the teacher gift restored in that we saw the prophetic or the prophet begin to come forth again. And it was amazing to see God use Mark 16 among us. And we grew and many were saved, but we did not do Matthew 28. We left Matthew 28 to the world, to the kingdom of darkness. How did we do that? Well, Jesus said, go and disciple nations. Go and teach them to observe everything that I've taught you. Matthew 28 is different from Mark 16. Mark 16 is go get my family back. Matthew 28, go cause the kingdoms of this world to become mine. And so in the midst of the greatest move in our lifetime, 
we lost the nations. In the, in the charismatic movement, in the Jesus movement, one little old lady from Florida took prayer out of school. No more praying in school. In the greatest move of God in our lifetime, abortion was legalized and abortion clinics and death began to spring up all across the nation. We took taxpayers' money and helped establish it in other nations. We lost the nation. Many, many things like this. We said, Jesus is coming any minute. Forget higher education. Forget the government. We turned it over to darkness. For, forget investing. Forget saving. Forget buying up properties or doing things that would cause kingdom people to be wealthy. Forget that. Let's move the mountain. Jesus is going to snatch us out of here any minute. And that eschatology was one of the most dangerous doctrines that was infused into the church that caused us to begin to move away from doing Matthew 28. We're at the door again. We have an opportunity for the greatest harvest. And I believe, Glenn, we're going to see over a billion people born again over the next 10 and 20 years. We're at a, also at a place to where revival and awakening, we must disciple the nations. We must right. get involved in the world. We're not of it, but we got to get in it. And right. when we get into the world, and the word world is the word cosmos in the Greek, and it doesn't talk, it doesn't mean evil. It means governmental structures or order. And Jesus didn't come to, to condemn it. He didn't come to judge the world, the governmental structures or the order. He came to save it, to restore it. So as the church in this next move of God, we've not only got to get the family back, we've got to get people in government. We've got to get kingdom-minded people in business. We've got to get kingdom-minded people in education to take our schools back. In every sphere of society, we must be the ecclesia and be the voice of authority in the world as well as in the family. So that's the big key. Don't just go get the family, but go disciple nations. And that's what revival and awakening is going to look like when nations turn to him in a day. When states begin to strike down laws like that, that are against the kingdom of God and against the culture of the kingdom. When people start saying, I've been out of church and I left the church because all the hypocrisy, all the religion. But what you're carrying, it is lighting a fire in me and I want to be a part of that. And we're going yeah. to begin to the masses come to it, Glenn. I believe that with all of my heart. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Wow. Powerful. And I just want to just just kind of piggyback on what you're saying here. I, I recently, when I was teaching missions in in a Bible college, one of the things that that I mentioned clearly is we can't just talk about going and preaching to nations without understanding the restoration of the kingdom. That's it. What Jesus was trying to do. You know, you mentioned like the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, not those yes. that are lost. That That's right. Was lost. And when you look back to to the fall of man, we see um, Jesus talking about resurrection of of those who are righteous, obviously, yeah. even, even the ungodly. But then the regeneration of the earth and yes. the restoration of the earth. So in Matthew 25, when it says when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations 
and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. The king will say to those on the right, to the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Foundation. The kingdom was prepared from the foundation of the world. It wasn't a new concept or teaching introduced by John and and, and carried out and fulfilled by Jesus and the apostles. Yes, sir. This was something that goes back to the foundation of the world. Yep. So Jesus is restoring the kingdom. Yes. In Revelation 11, isn't there a scripture that talks about the kingdoms of the world becoming the kingdoms yeah. of God and his Christ, you know? Um, so when we, when we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, I'm sorry, going back to what I was saying about teaching in Bible college, one of the things that I I brought out some statistics was how many nations in the world uh, from 200 years ago, 100 years ago, and even 50 years ago, the incredible increase in the amount of people that are now followers of Jesus. I mean, it is Christianity is exploding. And and again, People that are following Jesus, again, that term Christianity, but but it's exploding around the world. Now, what we have to do, maybe we've gone out and we've done a decent job of getting the family back, bringing them back into his family. But as you're saying, now this whole thing about discipling nations, that's um, we need to continue to preach to you know all all creation but ultimately this thing of discipling the nations is yes. is so important but things are getting better yes world yes. despite of wars and and evil people scripture talks about that in the last days god's there will be perilous times there will be evil people yes it says that but it also says that the that God is pouring out a spirit in the last days. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Yes. So in conclu- in conclusion here, um, I'd love for you just to tell us how people, our, our listeners, our kingdom community online, can take that step to connect with you and really be discipled and, and help in disciple nations. Um you know, how, how can they do that? Well, uh, we, we have a, several ways that we do that. Uh, we have a great conference that's coming up um, in uh, May this month, the 12th through the 14th in Dickinson, Texas, which is South Texas. You can go to greghood.org and you can uh, see who's going to be there. We have Chuck Pierce, Dutch Sheets, Tim Sheets, Tom and Jane Hammond, uh, an incredible uh, man by the name of Tony Kemp, Clay Nash, myself and and several others will be there. And these are things that we'll be talking about uh, and mostly dealing with how to uh, bring this nation and other nations back into alignment with God. You can go to kingdom U as K I N G D O M the letter U.org. And you can discover a lot about kingdom university. We meet one week in a month. So this is not something you've got to pick your family up and move to another state. Uh, you can do it online, live online, or you can go back and look at the videos that are done through the classes. You can join one of 20 campuses around the country. You can see those at kingdomu.org. And uh, that one week in a month would wind up being one of the most valuable 
uh, investments that you could make in your life. Uh, and it just meets on Friday night from 6.30 to 9.30, Saturday from 9 to around 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, you can always catch those classes up, but Kingdom U is a good tool for you to begin to make the shift, begin to learn uh, what we need to do, how we need to do it, what we need to stop doing and make that shift into the kingdom of God. You'll learn language. You'll learn how to see things different. You'll change your filter. Uh, what we filter things through is so very important. And most of all, you'll begin to learn that Jesus came to give us a kingdom, a government. And Adam never lost that. I'll just add that little piece if it's okay, Glenn. Yes, Adam never lost a, a, king, a, a religion. He lost a government. He lost the kingdom. And Satan in, Mount, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, it says he took Jesus to a high place and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. Not religions, not even the Jewish religion or synagogues, but all the governmental structures of the world at one time. And he said, these dominions have been handed over to me and I can do with them whatever I want to do. And he said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give all these kingdoms to you. Jesus said, I will only serve and worship the Lord my God. That word worship literally means to kiss the ring. So he said, if you'll kneel down and you'll kiss my ring and declare me king, I'll give you what you came for. Look, the battle was not over religion. It was over governments. And when we begin to discover that, it changes our whole perspective, our whole view, and we're able to begin to run with Jesus like we've never run with him before. Amen. Absolutely. So good. Wow. Very good. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, Dr. Greg Hood has been my guest, guys. And uh, again, check out his website, greghood.org to learn more and to connect. Thank you uh, so much, Greg, for being with us. Yes, sir. Thank you, Glenn. Man, this has been an honor. It's been fun. And if you want to do it again, we'll be glad to do it again sometime. Thanks for joining us today at the Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God. To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.